Austin, do you remember how long it took me to find a podcast platform for us? Forever. I ended up finding one called Anchor, and I initially chose it just because it was free. But it also has a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. They also distributed for us, so that's why we ended up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of our other places. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here to talk to you about things we didn't learn in school or didn't fully learn in school and maybe should have. Yep. It's been a few days since Halloween, and as we expected, we didn't get any trick-or-treaters this year. None. And we had, like, full-size candy bars. We had full-size candy bars. We have literally hundreds of miniature candies. So it was a bummer. But it was also snowing. Yeah. What the hell, Kansas? Snowing, snowing, snowing. Like, I had to scrape my car two days in a row in October. And, of course, today it's, like, 70 degrees out. Yeah, but we can't enjoy it because we both have sinus infections. Yay! And it's Austin's fault this time. It's not mine. I work with the public. I got sinus infections. My record, I think, was six times in one school year until I stopped teaching. And it once turned into bronchitis and pneumonia. So the moment I started feeling symptoms this morning, I was like, Austin, I need you to go to the store and buy me this entire pharmacy section. Yeah. But we're up. We're doing it. Just sorry ahead of time if we start coughing or anything. I'll try to edit it out. But oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, between the ums, likes, buts, and errs, and you guys and fun facts. Yeah, I, it's it went a little faster last time. It only took me two hours to edit everything instead of the previous six. So we're getting better about our uhs and ums and whatnot. Uh, I'm starting today, and I'm talking about something that is both an historical fact or series of facts, but it's also really relevant to what's going on today. Ooh. I'm talking about impeachment. Oh, really? I am. See, we grew up during the Clinton impeachment which was only the second presidential impeachment in history. And I don't know about you, but my school did not talk about it. Nope. We talked about O.J. Simpson at length. Oh, so much about O.J. Simpson. I remember we were all sitting in the cafeteria and our PE teacher ran in and said, it's time for the verdict, it's time for the verdict, and turned on this very 90s radio with the antenna and the big silver speakers on it. And it was a boombox style one, so he carried it in. And they said the not guilty verdict and the entire elementary school cafeteria gasped like we all understood what was really happening. But we didn't talk about the impeachment at all. Now, I don't know if that was the nature of the content or if it was simply how fucked up the impeachment process is. I'm going to say a part of it was the content because no one's middle school teacher wants to explain blowjobs. Yeah, I knew at the time, this is what I knew. Bill Clinton had an affair with an intern named Monica. Mm -hmm. There was something about a blue dress and a cigar. I am very happy to say that I didn't learn what the cigar thing was until last year. Oh, yeah, that was like, I was in college. It's like, oh, that's the cigar thing. I had a very Freudian moment. The worst thing I've ever heard. We're not going to tell you about what it was. because You can look it up yourselves, but... Turn on safe search. Yeah, you don't want to know what it is. Like, live your lives the way you are currently living them if you don't know what that is. The way I understood it, Clinton had cheated on his wife Mm -hmm. and lied about it. Yeah. And apparently that was enough to be fired from being president. What simple times we lived in. Well, that's not what actually happened. Yeah. I mean, he did do those things. Yeah. But that's not enough to make you not be president anymore. Basically, we never learned what impeachment is. I also thought impeachment meant that you were fired. If you were impeached, you no longer had a job. I thought that too. That's not what it is. No. And we're here to learn today about what it is and when it's been done. This is the basis of it. Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution says, The President... Vice President and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. So a common misconception, too, is that this can only happen to the president or the vice president. 
Most impeachment trials, and they happen more often than you'd think, are actually federal judges. It happens not often, but I think I read that 19 federal judges have been impeached. So are you saying there's hope with Kavanaugh? I don't think there's any hope with Kavanaugh for much of anything. So to define those parts, treason is betraying the country. Yes. Bribery is an exchange of money or something else, such as protection. Or maybe political dirt on a potential rival. In return for something else, something shady. Then there's high crimes and misdemeanors, which is purposefully left vague. Something too specific would either be too easy to get out of or would limit the options as the country evolves. Like if we made it specific, like you cannot pull your revolver out in public and wave it about and that was your high crime misdemeanor, well, you know, revolvers don't really happen anymore, so you could pull out a shotgun and it'd be fine. Yep. And it also wouldn't include anything related to technology. And I mean, plus a impeachment did not get Burr impeached when he, you know, shot Alexander Hamilton while he was vice president. So he actually never made it to the impeachment status. Uh, well, maybe he did. He I did. Didn't. He did not, because I covered that in one of our early test episodes, which you are never going to get to hear. You might get to hear them if we have a bad week. You might not get to hear. Them. You might get to hear them. So, in essence, a high crime is one that can only be done by someone in a position of political authority. So, you or I could not commit one, and it has to be impeding justice or breaking the law in some way. Throw in misdemeanors, and it's basically a free-for-all. They break any law, they can be impeached. They also don't have to break a law, and they can get impeached. The person in power basically has to have, in Ben Franklin's words, rendered himself obnoxious. <laughs> oh, good old Benjamin Franklin. I would love to cover him at some point. I don't care which one of us does it. Oh my gosh. Benjamin Franklin was like a drunken womanizing snuff box. Maybe we should get the guy from The Office who was not the real Ben Franklin just come in and do that episode for us. Hey, actor who was not the real Ben Franklin, you want to come join us I'm and do an episode? I'm assuming it was Jonathan Hodgman, but I don't could think, be completely I don't wrong. think so. He always seems, he strikes me as a not the real Benjamin Franklin. I think everybody but Ben Franklin should strike us as not the real Ben Franklin. Whoa. But basically, this person has to be an embarrassment to their constituency in some way, or bring shame upon the job that they hold. Let me repeat, no crime needs to have been committed in order to be impeached. You do not have to have broken the law to get impeached. This seems like a very why. It's like this, there's so much faith in our government not to be a bunch of petty assholes and that's a in this lot, process. That's a lot of the challenge with the impeachment process. I'm going to talk at length kind of about that. They simply need to have behaved in a way that brings a level of shame to them or especially to the country. So like Dijon mustard or wearing a tan suit. Eating a hot dog incorrectly in any way. Oh my god. Or oh, eating remember when he ate pizza with a fork and a knife? Was that okay, where did he do that though? I think it was Chicago. I get it. I do. I don't like having I my mean, hands messy. I mean that's like Chicago deep dish is not a real pizza. I don't care what anyone says. I don't like it, not because it's not pizza, but because marinara sauce uh, gives me heartburn. Yeah. So take that, Chicago. We're not even gonna get into your gross hot dog things. <laughs> I like the hot dogs. <gasps> See, I like everything about Chicago. I just get sick from the pizza by no fault of theirs. It's my faulty body. Oh, I love the public transportation. Public transportation. Public transportation. I miss it so much. It was beautiful. I, I would sit on the T in Boston and we'd be stuck and I would think, this is the worst thing ever. But no, sitting in my car on I-435 dealing with the construction that will never end. This or, is hell. Or taking half an hour to get across I-35 because no one knows how to fucking ch use their turn signals when they change lanes. And right now, there's a huge section of the highway that's 55 because there are people actively working. And even if I'm going 70 through there, which I don't want to do because I respect the fact that these folks are working, mm -hmm. I nearly get hit every time if people go on 85-90. It's terrifying. Yeah. Kansas has some real bad drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to blame it on Missouri. It's time we took responsibility. No, no, we can't blame Missouri anymore. We can blame them for lots of things, but not this. Let's get back to impeachment, yep. because we can't impeach people for bad driving. Actually, I guess you could. I guess you could, but not around here, because I've never seen Laura Kelly drive anywhere. Doesn't mean she doesn't. Yeah, 
She probably does. She seems down to earth. When our politicians come by our house, they're always walking. But yeah. that's also door-to-door -door stuff, so. I mean, I, I It'd be mean, weird if they, like, mailmaned it. I would love it if, like, a politician just pulled up into our yard and yelled out the window. It's like, vote for me, bitches! Then they, like, peeled off in their T-bird. <laughs> assuming it's a T-bird. It's a Model T. That's what we have around here. Okay. The Model T parade every year. Uh. The Founding Fathers insisted on impeachment being a part of the Constitution. This was one of their deals. It's like, this has to be in here. James Madison said it was necessary to defend the country against, quote, the incapacity, negligency, or 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 perfidy of the perfidity? chief. Perfidy? Oh, oh, uh, there's a typo. Or perfidy. I had or and perfidy put together. I'm like, what is or perfidy? Or perfidy. Of the chief magistrate. Guys, typing this on your phone is a bear. My laptop does not work. As, hey, I wrote mine by hand. Uh, as he noted that the country was more or less run by an individual and not a parliament. And it is much more likely that an individual will become corrupt or incapacitated than a large group of people will. That's not to say there, there are not corrupt large groups of people. But when you've got a large group, it's more likely that there'll be someone there going, hey, guys. And them all becoming incapacitated at once is pretty unlikely. Like, unless there was, like, a really, really bad, like, shrimp bar. He recognized, basically, that there are people who can get drunk on power and decide to do things their own way, ignoring everybody else. And then our favorite, A. Ham, wrote in Federalist Paper 65, those offenses which process from the misconduct of public men, or, in other words, from the abuse of or violation of some public trust, they are a nature which may with peculiar propriety be denominated political as they relate chiefly to injuries one must one immediately to society itself. God damn it, Hamilton. Can't you use like one sentence for this? That is one sentence. What? Dude. Dude, take a cue from Polonius's words, not his actions. Brevity is the soul of wit. Basically, it means... Oh, no, that was two sentences. Oh. Basically, if you act badly and the public doesn't trust you anymore, or if you do something that injures the country, you should be impeached. That's all it means. Yep. The term maladministration was suggested instead of impeachment, but they didn't like it because it implied that they could be removed from office just because Congress didn't like them as a person. To be fair, we don't want that. No. Just because people in Congress think someone's a jerk, that shouldn't be enough to remove them from office. It should not. Now, if they're a jerk in a way that, in normal circumstances, HR would get involved, then mm -hmm. I think that's enough. So, so what Congress needs is like an HR department. <laughs> yes, they do. So the Founding Fathers ultimately agreed that it should be left vague for the uh, future safety. During Gerald Ford's tenure in the House, train... Woohoo! That's not a public transit train, it's a real train. He declared that impeachment is, quote, whatever a majority of the House of Representatives considers it to be at a given moment. So whatever they need it to be, that's what it is. And I kind of wish that's how life worked. This is what we generally continue to go by, and it allows for unforeseen offenses related to whatever is currently happening in the world. They can't predict everything. So what is impeachment then? Yeah. Firstly, impeachment is not getting fired. It's kind of a scary version of due process before someone gets fired. But you don't get the performance improvement plan. Oh, so it's kind of like a formal write-up. It's like a formal write-up, but it's... We're formally writing you up and continuing to investigate. We'll let you know next Friday. That kind of situation. Okay. They also don't have a due date for this. There was one time, I think it was Andrew Johnson, where they went on recess for 10 days in the middle of his impeachment hearing. In other countries, the person being impeached is removed from office during the proceedings. In this country, we let them go about their business like nothing is wrong. <laughs> now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you're at work and they come in and announce to your whole office, hey, Austin's accused of committing a crime that affects everyone here. We're thinking about firing him, but he's still going to be working while we talk about it, so just carry on. <laughs> Nothing's going to get done. Exactly. Their work would suffer. Your work would suffer. No one would be able to make good decisions because they're all so anxious about what's happening, and you don't know if the big projects you do are even going to matter or if they'll eliminate yeah. them when you leave because they don't trust that you but do it well. 
But the important thing is, is my illegitimate business of selling bootleg shrimp that is definitely healthy and not going to incapacitate large groups of people, that is still allowed, right? While this is going on? I mean, I guess they can't stop you. Yes. They're not watching you, apparently. No. Anyway, the steps towards impeachment are completely unclear. I think that every time we impeach a president, they think this has to be the last one. We, this can't happen again because people are too good. Mm -hmm. And then it happens again and they're like, oh shit, we didn't come up with anything this time. It's like, oh, the, like smarter people in the future will figure this out. Now let's go back to this is powdering our noses. So, okay, this is, this is where they sometimes start. Sometimes they start with a vote for relevant resolutions, which is what people have been complaining about this time, that it didn't start with a vote and therefore it's not a real impeachment hearing. But it's not actually required because for anybody else who gets impeached, it starts with a committee. Mm -hmm. This has only been a tradition that presidential ones have started with some kind of vote. A committee can legally do this. All right, and then going on, if that is regardless of the method taken, whether they start with a vote or just a committee that discusses things, if there's enough evidence of impeachable offenses, the House ultimately votes on one or more articles of impeachment, which are basically the individual charges. If a majority, a simple majority, means if there were 100, and I know there aren't 100, that's the Senate, if 51 people voted for it, it goes on. If 49 people voted for it doesn't, simple majority. The president is officially impeached. The impeachment trial then begins. So he's not fired, he's still working, he just goes to trial. Once things are in the Senate, the New York Times worded it better than I can. A team of lawmakers from the House, known as managers, play the role of prosecutors. The president has defense lawyers and the Senate serves as the jury. So we have our prosecution, our defense, and our jurors. Like how the impeachment process starts, there aren't any rules for the Senate process. They can even decide whether or not they feel like hearing from witnesses. <laughs> that's, that's awful. The lack of rules is like letting jurors decide how the trial is conducted. Oh my god, that would make jury duty so much fun. It's like, we're going to go trial by combat. Bring in the mountain. Exactly. Like, can you imagine, you're called in for jury duty, you've got all this crud going on in your life, you don't want to deal with this, so you decide, you know what, we're not going to hear from anybody and just look at the guy and decide if he's guilty. That's basically what the Senate can do. <laughs> the Senate doesn't have to hear from anybody. They don't have to, or they can, they can suggest, we're going to hear from 30 people, but you have to get us 30 people. We want you all to dress in clown wigs. I assume that they can do that because it's whatever they want. Unlike the House, which requires a simple majority, the Senate requires a two-thirds majority to convict. So if we're going back to it being 100 people, you would need um, 67 people to vote for. If the president loses, which has never happened, they are immediately removed from office and the vice president takes over. There is no chance to appeal. It's an immediate, you're gone. However, not only does the Senate get to decide how the trial goes, they are not legally required to hold the trial at all. The spirit of the Constitution, this goes back to what I was saying, that they have so much trust, what you were saying too, mm -hmm. they have so much trust. The founding fathers believed that those in the power would always agree to hold this trial. They were sure that the Senate would work with the House and make sure that there was no miscarriage of justice, that there was no chance of additional shame being brought upon the country by this person. They also, for some reason, believed that everybody would vote honestly rather than down party lines, despite the fact that they were all voting for their own interests at all times. Like he did with Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland, Mitch McConnell may be able to just nope them out of the whole thing. So it comes to him and he's like, nah, I don't feel like it. He might be able to do that. That said, another caveat is according to Walter Dellinger, a Duke University law professor and the former acting solicitor general in the Clinton administration, it actually might not be McConnell's call. It actually might be Chief Justice John G. Roberts' decision, whether or not the Senate has to hear it. <laughs> Damn it. I feel, and maybe this may be naive, but I kind of feel like the Supreme Court would be more likely to let it go forward, regardless of whether or not they agree with the impeachment, just to keep them being able to do their jobs fully. Those, those Federal Society assholes, which I'm just, I hate them so much. It's like, well, this is what the Constitution was meant by the founders, so we're going to try to pretend we're them. And it's like, even though we have direct quotes saying, this is what we have to fucking do, you idiots. 
I also feel like if it came down to Robert's decision and he looked like he was waffling, RBG would make sure that a large group of people was incapacitated and then she'd make the decision. Oh, so are you saying that RBG is going to be like, what's her name, Tyrell? Lady Tyrell from Game of Thrones? Mm -hmm. And she's going to poison Joffrey? Not that RBG would ever do that. That's Please don't hurt me, RBG. We love you. We love you. So there are two possibilities of who can decide whether or not the Senate hears this, even if the House votes for it. Either Mitch McConnell or the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. I think we'd have a better chance with the Chief Justice agreeing to it, simply because that gives them more leeway to make decisions yeah. in the future. I, I also say that Mitch McConnell has publicly said that if they vote for impeachment, he'll bring it to the Senate for a vote. He but says a lot of things. He says lots of things. It usually takes him a long time because he's a turtle man. Don't turtles hibernate? Yeah. So when is that going to start? Basically, it's all a clusterfuck. Yep. It is a lawless dystopia, like Mad Max or the arena in the Hunger Games or the mall on Black Friday. Everybody decides what's best for themselves, and suddenly there's a dude playing guitar on a tank while children are murdering each other, and Karen scream at bookstore workers for not having DVDs because who reads anymore? Shut up, Karen! I worked at a bookstore in the mall for four years. I loved that job, but by God, people were mad that our tiny bookstore did not have DVDs. It wasn't even a big bookstore. It was like... It was so cute and small. It was like, it was like a small... It was like a good medium-sized apartment. We had regulars. That's how little we were. Yeah. But by God, come Christmas, we didn't have DVDs. Therefore, we wanted their children to not have a good Christmas. It's like, okay, you're in the mall. There's a Suncoast, like, uh, right upstairs from you that has DVDs. Let's say the Senate does decide to hear it. Mitch McConnell's mm -hmm. like, cool. Or Roberts is like, cool, let's do it. They can immediately dismiss it without any review of the evidence. God. They can do exactly what I was saying earlier. They can be like, all right, Trump, walk in. You look innocent, and that can be it. I really, I, I, again, trial by combat. I just want to see it. Are they allowed to choose somebody to stand in their choose place? Choose their champions. <laughs> I so mean, would it be Pelosi choosing one and Trump choosing one? How would this work? I would I would kind of hope so. Okay. Pelosi's going to choose Cory Booker. Oh, dude, Cory Booker. Who would, who would Trump choose? Who does, he, who does he got? Pence? I mean... Pence is just going to see the oiled up muscular, muscular torso of Cory Booker and just lose it. I feel like I read that Hulk Hogan is a Trump supporter. Don't quote me on that. Oh, shit. Walker motherfucking Texas Ranger is a Trump supporter. <laughs> Cory Booker versus Walker Texas Ranger. <gasps> oh, damn it. Okay, I know we're slowly becoming the worst dystopia that's not even going to have flaming <laughs> guitars. But shit, I want to see that. Hey, the Senate can do whatever they want. They can have flaming guitars. So anyway, uh, for 2020, I am running for Kansas Senate under the promise that any future impeachments, while I am fucking there, will have moral combat and flaming guitars. Austin, 2020. All right. So to summarize the impeachment process for all the people out there who are trying to learn. <laughs> the points, uh, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> It's all hosted by Drew Carey. <laughs> Yo, Mitch McConnell does kind of look like Drew Carey. No, he doesn't. He's got glasses and he's white. So do you. And that kind of looks like Drew Carey. Do you look like Mitch McConnell? I hope not. Here's a real summary. Okay. Step one. The house does stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it does not matter what stuff they do. They do what they want. Step two. They eventually, if they decide there's enough, hold a vote on the specific high crimes and misdemeanors that will serve as the basis for the charges. A simple majority moves it onto the Senate. Step three, the Senate or the Supreme Court Justice decides if they're going to hear it. The spirit of the Constitution is that they have to, but they actually don't. Four, assuming they do hear it, they can also decide what they want to do. Members of the House serve as prosecution, Senate serves as jury. Five, if, even if forced to hear it, they decide they don't feel like it, they can dismiss. Six, a two-thirds majority is required to convict. And seven, if convicted, the president immediately leaves office. Those are the impeachment steps. Basically, people do stuff and then things may or may not happen. So, just like everything else. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, if you think about people going 
on trial for a really minor crime, they have a lot more things that have to be structured than removing the person from the highest office in the United States of America. A 14-year-old kid gets caught with a joint in his pocket. He is going through a much longer and arduous process than this. Don't do drugs, kids. To date, only two presidents have been impeached. One was Andrew Johnson in 1868, and the second, of course, was Bill Clinton in 1998. Nixon wussed out and resigned before he could be because he knew he was going to lose. The process has begun on Donald Trump, but as of today, which is November 3rd, he has not been impeached. Johnson was not charged with treason or bribery, so his fell under high crimes and misdemeanors. He had 11 charges against him the primary of which was dismissing Edwin Stanton from office after the Senate voted against him being removed. I forget who Edwin Stanton was. I think it had something to do with the Postal Service. I don't remember. Most of the other charges, that uh, of the 11 charges total, were directly related to that, including one about conspiring to illegally claim money from military services. He was also charged, get this, with making speeches about how mean Congress was. Wow, that's some petty shit. He was impeached after making three speeches about how Congress was out to get him, which apparently is an impeachable offense, guys. Wow. No Democrats ultimately voted for impeachment, and the Republicans who voted against impeachment never held offices again. So the whole thing was extremely partisan. And they actually didn't end up voting on all 11 articles. They voted on two or three because they had the exact same votes on them. And they assumed the rest would. I kind of wonder if the votes shouldn't be anonymous. Instead of saying, this person votes this way, if they were just allowed to turn them anonymously, I feel like that would drastically change the outcome. It would, but I again, it's, democracy depends so much on accountability of your elected officials. And if, like... Like said, oh yeah, I hate Trump. I hate Trump. I hate Trump. And then, or I hate Johnson. I hate Johnson. I hate Johnson or Nixon or whoever. And then they were like, secretly, like, well, I'm gonna not impeach him because I don't want this clusterfuck to mess up my career. <laughs> well, the problem here is that you can hate them all you want, but you still can think they're not guilty, or vice versa. And you're also not supposed to be voting based on what you feel, but on the interests of your constituency. Really, your constituency is supposed to be the one making the decisions, and you are just their voice. And yet we could have an entire state saying impeach or don't impeach, but their person in power can say, no, nah, I'm going to vote the way I want. Which actually happened when I emailed the Electoral College, guys. I had a guy email me back from the Electoral College say I was going to vote for Trump either way and send me a picture of them together. I am so mad at myself for not putting that into the media. Clinton's charges were also high crimes and misdemeanors. It started with a sexual harassment lawsuit brought by Paula Jones stemming from when he was governor of, Alaska, of Arkansas. See, you can have lawsuits brought against you while you are president. Yeah, and like, wow, it's like they almost like had entire court hearings about that. Nigh on 20 years ago. Hello. It's Draco. Hi, buddy. They wanted more witnesses, so Linda Tripp became, began recording conversations with her friend Monica Lewinsky. Rude. Mm-hmm. And both were ultimately called as witnesses. Once Lewinsky was on the list, she was suddenly able to find a job she liked. There is also evidence that he was coaching her on what to say, and he was hiding presents like around the White House for her. Clinton initially claimed that he did not have sexual relations with that woman, but later admitted to it. The judge in Jones's case threw out the Lewinsky evidence, saying that it wasn't relevant, and Clinton ultimately settled with Jones. That was not the impeachment trial. The impeachment of Clinton boiled down to perjury during that case and obstruction of justice from things like coaching Lewinsky. He was charged with lying to the grand jury about their relationship, encouraging her to lie, etc., etc. They would have needed 67 votes on either one of these two charges to have him removed. The perjury vote garnered 45 votes. Obstruction garnered 50, making it exactly a 50-50 split. No Democrats voted for removal, which brings me back to the anonymous vote thing. The anonymous vote thing, I really just feel like it would actually result in things that need to happen, whatever they are. Now, then there's the last little bit of the Clinton thing. The definition of is, which is not really relevant to impeachment. I just think it's interesting. He was saying, well, it depends on what your definition of is, is. 
to determine whether or not he lied. He said in the present tense that there is nothing going on between him and Lewinsky, which at the time was true. He was not, at the time he said nothing is going on, having any kind of relationship with Lewinsky. So grammatically, he didn't lie. In the spirit of the question, he lied. But as we've seen from how impeachment works, the spirit of things don't really matter. Nope. I could go into a whole thing about grammar on the Ukraine call that relates to this. He's heard whoa, it whoa, so whoa. many times. First of all, Trump cannot be held responsible for his own inability to speak the English language. Well, no, the thing was, it was really smart. It was extremely smart the way things were worded because it's hard to tell unless you really love grammar what was actually being said. But I won't because I'm not talking about current processes. I'm talking about old ones and the overall process. So that's impeachment. Do you understand it any more than he did beforehand? Nope. I kind of understand why they didn't teach it in school, even in yeah. vague terms, because there's really nothing to teach. It is the House does stuff, the Senate does stuff. The end. If you have any kids that ask questions about this process, it's just going to bum them out. It's like, it's really hard to explain gray areas like this. Yeah, and it even, doesn't matter where they are developmentally. Like, we are adults and reasonably educated ones, and this is hard to understand. But man, could you imagine, too, a kid getting in trouble and being like, uh, I demand that we follow the same process for removing you from the school as we do for, to remove a president from office? Okay, first of all, does your school have a senate? There is, like, a council that hears on these things. Ooh. So I think that would be really interesting, seeing a kid try to argue that if it's good enough to remove somebody from the highest office, it should be good enough to remove them from school. Call the Senate. Or the House. Our school doesn't even have a house. I know. The whole... It's bogus, guys. It's bogus. Bogus. All right. So you're ready for some questions? No, but let's do this anyway. All right. Will this be on the test? So are these questions that we're not trying to answer, but we're trying to determine if the question is going to be on the test? Out of curiosity, could you answer any questions that would be on this test? Depends on what your definition of answer is. <laughs> Question one. Will that impeachment and firing are not the same thing be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that there are no rules to this process be on the test? No. <laughs> Will the founding father's belief in impeachment be on the test? Yes. Because our founding fathers could do nothing wrong. Will the definition of is be on the test? Not on this test, but definitely in an English one. I don't think that I ever had that question. Yeah, could, like defining is is like what it's a like, gerund? I don't fucking know. Oh, I could go into all of it, but is is a complicated one. It is. So what do you have to talk about? So uh, I've got a much, much lighter, uh, simpler, happier one about a couple of hoarders in New York City in the 1920s who died in a horrific nightmare house full of booby traps. Is this what Home Alone is based on? Kinda, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they just talking about the uh, Collier brothers. Don't forget, Donald Trump was in Home Alone too, lost in New York. Oh, he was, but he's moved to Florida, so that just happened. He is now no longer a New Yorker, he's Floridian. Home Alone 7, Macaulay Culkin goes to Florida. Okay, I would love it if Home Alone was just Macaulay Culkin as an adult now, trying to keep President Trump out of his house in Florida. He did an ad campaign that was him being Kevin from Home Alone. Yeah, it was for, like, Alexa or Google Home or one of those. Uh-huh. You know what I would love to see is a Macaulay Culkin Shia LaBeouf movie. <gasps> yes. Like, former child stars or, like, a miniseries. Mm-hmm. The new Odd Couple, just two former child stars. I'll tell you what, though. They're both good actors, and I will fight people on that. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf is an actual cannibal, okay? Yeah, there's no way I'm going to tell him he's not a good actor, because he is yep. actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf, and I don't want my leg to get caught in a bear trap. So, this is, like, two brothers who are in a hoarder nightmare house that is, like, still kind of talked about as an urban legend in New York. Us here in the Midwest, even though we love our hoarder shows... We never heard about this. So I'm going to talk about Homer and Langley Collier. So they were the sons of Her of Dr. Herman Collier, a gynecologist, and his wife, Susie, a former opera singer. By the way, their parents were, in fact, first cousins. So that might explain a bit. See, as I told you, first cousins don't result in problems unless it happens over multiple generations. 
the family was also known to be eccentric, even by like 1920s standards. Their dad would canoe to work. That's awesome. Unless they it was down in, the re regular street, in which case that's weird. No, this is like in New York. So they'd just they'd like pull his canoe from Harlem to the river and then he'd canoe to work. I read something recently about a person who swims to work every day. I think they're in London. They swim the Thames or something. Oh, yeah, because it's faster than actually trying to go through traffic. Yeah. That's just smart, man. <laughs> it's, uh, apparently, it's also cheaper to um, live in Spain and commute daily to London via airplane than it is to actually live in London. That doesn't change the fact that I'd love to live in London. Or in Spain. There's a lot of ham eating in Spain, as Oh, I yeah, it. so much ham eating. I love <laughs> ham. They were uh, an eccentric family. Anyway, the two brothers, uh, they went to Columbia University. Homer studied maritime law. And Langley studied engineer and was also a concert pianist. Did he study maritime law to make sure it was legal for his dad to commute to work? Maybe that's what it was. He was like, whoa, dad, if you're going to commute to work via canoe, we got to set up some ground rules here. I got to get you protected. I have mad respect for canoeing to work, man. He, uh, anyway, Langley was a concert pianist. He also played at Carnegie Hall several times. So he was a good pianist. Their family, they had a four-story brownstone in Harlem. Draco! He's scratching on furniture, guys. Sorry. See, today is the time change, and the cats are used to being fed exactly at 5. It is currently 4.44, so in their brains it's 5.44. They are freaking the hell out. They have starved to death 44 times. They don't know how to handle this. So anyway, they had a four-story brownstone in Harlem, and in 1919, their parents separated. Now, it's worth pointing out, Homer and Langley were 38 and 34 at the time. So they were middle-aged men when their parents separated. Their dad moved out, but they stayed in the brown the brownstone house with their mother. So uh, in 1923, their father died, and in 1929, their mother died, and the uh, two brothers were left everything. And they were fairly normal for a few years after that. They'd go out in public, like people would see them, they'd do things, they had jobs. But in 1933, Homer lost his eyesight due to some blood clots in the back of his eyes. Oh no! So he went blind. And Langley quit his job to look after his brother. That doesn't seem like a good choice. No, it does not. Now, so, the one who went blind, was he the concert pianist or the maritime lawyer? Maritime lawyer is the one who went blind. Okay. Yeah, Homer is the blind one. Langley is his brother, who's the engineer and the concert pianist. Around this time, when they quit their job, was uh, something called the Great Depression was happening. What's that? Oh, it's when everything went to hell and everyone lost their money. So... What Soft happened when crashed. I went to college? Yeah, it's like what we did, but like, you know, the government tried to fix shit and not just bail out the banks. So anyway, the neighborhood of Harlem started to change. African Americans were buying houses, mm -hmm. and the brothers were becoming completely more afraid and unable to recognize the neighborhood they were in. This comes up every episode. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So they became more insular and started just not coming out. They were writing newspaper stories about these guys the entire time, and they became like people of interest. And so they said they didn't want to be bothered. So naturally, um, big crowds of people would come out to try and like see these two reclusive brothers in their giant brownstone house in Harlem. And I mean, the only other form of entertainment at the time was kind of jazz and not drinking. So what else were you gonna do? Go to the underground jazz drinking clubs. Yes. Naturally, as a result, they got more afraid and became more eccentric, which got more people to try and see them and annoy them. Like for example, kids started throwing rocks at their windows. So they boarded up all of their windows and wired the doors shut. Youths. Youths. So then, because they did this, rumors started spreading that they were hoarding treasure in their house, and several people broke in. So Langley did the obvious thing and built booby traps around the house, and because they had been hoarding junk in there for a while, made a series of secret tunnels through the trash that filled his house. So uh, this time, Homer and Langley constructed nests in the garbage that they would live in, like comfortable little holes. Oh, And geez. they would crawl around tunnels in the garbage in their own home. Again, because the newspapers were still interested in them, the New York Times would always interview them. And for a while they had phones, electricity, and everything. Eventually it would get cut off because they stopped paying their bills. But they would talk to them. And they figured out a, bit, a little bit about Langley's daily life. Like he um, would tinker with things because he was an engineer. Like he was working on a vacuum that was used for the inside of pianos. Oh, that's smart. Yep. And he was uh, trying to, like, modify a Model T to be an electric generator for their house, which was something he tried to do more once their power was shut off in a few years. That makes sense. 
And he also would care for his brother. He bathed him, read to him, would have a special diet for him. He would play piano sonatas for him with his freshly vacuumed piano. Their father was a doctor, and he did say, it's like, we have over 15,000 medical volumes in our house. We know too much about medicine to take him to a doctor. Doctors won't help him. They thought they would sever his optic nerves. He thought they could treat, his, treat away his blindness with diet and rest. When he hear a special diet for his brother? Was it nothing but essential oils? No, it was 100 oranges a week. 100 what? Oranges. Black bread and peanut butter. His special diet for his brother. Which he claimed was helping him get better. And was curing his blindness. That also sounds like a five-year-old would insist on eating for lunch every day. <laughs> However, this may shock you, but Homer got worse. And became uh, paralyzed through his rheumatism. So, at, th at this point, Langley was only seen venturing out at night after midnight. And he would walk miles away to go to the store. They were in Harlem. And he wouldn't go as far as Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Which is a hike. Just to buy something as simple as a loaf of bread. Because he was just eccentric. So, yeah, their uh, phone got cut off in, in 1937. The gas, electricity, and water got turned off in 1938. Oh, by the way, shopkeepers around the area would say, oh yeah, Langley is a nice gentleman, but he is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he exuded crazy. Mm -hmm. They had a kerosene heater in their house to provide heat, because it's New York. Super safe with all that junk around. Super safe, because, again, oh, part of the junk was he was saving newspapers for his brother. Thousands upon thousands of newspapers for when his sight came back, so he could catch up and do that. That is so sad. It's very sad. And he would go to a nearby park that had a water pump and would pump water to get them water for their house. Again, this was all after dark in the middle of the night. He would sneak out of his house and go do this. At one point, he actually bought a neighbor's house with uh, $7,500 in cash. But he couldn't pay for his electricity. No. Because they had seen people had been in there trying to look in their windows. So he bought the house so no one could try and spy on him and his brother. There were definitely people who were spying on him from there, and it wasn't just something he imagined. We're not entirely sure. It could have been either. But again, it's like they were in the newspapers. Like They were kind of infamous for being these weird hermit recluses in this mansion in New York City. But at the same time, all of their windows are boarded up. How could he see the people watching them? Uh, also, at one point, they owned around $1,900 in back taxes. Uh, Langley's claim was, well, we have no income, so why should we have to pay income tax? Fair. But they uh, ended up repossessing a, one of their properties, not the house they lived in. They also, at one point, they turned down a $125,000 offer from a realtor for their house. And that got in the newspaper because it's like, why aren't they selling their house? Which, by the way, $125,000 in today money is $2.5 which for a brownstone in New York, that's like half of what you can get. Yeah, they bought their neighbor's house for $7,500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But so I, I say that's a smart move because, the, again, I looked it up, a brownstone in this neighborhood, is going for about $4 million now. So, smart move. Smart is, move. Is their brownstone still around? No. They were, again, they were regular features in the newspaper. They'd actually get interviewed pretty regularly, which is where we get most of our information about them from, was the fact that they would still talk to reporters. Even, like, crazy hermits who assume that the neighbors are spying on them and will only go out late at night to get garbage and bread from different neighborhoods... We'll still talk to the press. Well, and his brother, we don't know that he's crazy. He's just going on what his brother's telling him. Yeah. Homer, his the blind brother, is kind of a mystery. He was only seen once, like, outside since he was paralyzed. It was in 1939. Langley got into an altercation with some people from the gas company who were coming to claim a meter from when they shut off the gas. They wanted to get the meter back. And they got in a fight with them that got some attention. And a gigantic crowd showed up outside this house. And that was the, one of the only times that Homer was seen outside. It drew a crowd of thousands. I mean, there's nothing good on TV. They didn't even have TV. You can go see a picture show, maybe. There's nothing good on the radio. Nothing good on the radio. It was just jazz. <laughs> they had jazz fever. Ja it was jazz and I guess at this time it was Herbert Hoover not being on the radio. <laughs> Oh, in 1942, their bank actually tried to repossess the house because they hadn't paid their mortgage in three years. So uh, the police actually tried to force open the door, and when they did, they figured there was a wall of garbage that they're trying to like maneuver through, and they encountered Langley in one of these little nooks, and he just promptly wrote a check for six thousand seven hundred dollars, which was the entire amount of the mortgage that was left. 
So they were just able to pay off this mortgage that the bank had been fighting them on with just what cash they had. Oh, hello, kitty cat. I'm starving, guys. Oh, Draco, it's okay. We'll remember to feed you. Speaking about starvation, on March 21st, 1947, they got an anonymous tip about they think that one of the, that Homer had died because the neighbors were smelling a foul odor coming out of the house, the scent of decay. So the police went to investigate it. Now, they had no electricity, so the doorbell didn't work. They didn't have phones because it had been shut off for a decade at this point. So they had to try and force open the doors. Again, they were met with a wall of garbage. They spent hours moving junk out. They like piles of old newspapers, folding beds, half of a sewing machine, parts of a broken wine press. Was in this front like foyer while they're trying to get in. They gave up after a while, after a few hours of moving out garbage and making no headway until a police officer climbed up to the second story bedroom, which was also floor to ceiling junk. So after five more hours of digging through the garbage in this bedroom, they find Homer's body. It's a, it was an alcove of a bundle of newspapers and boxes. He had matted hair. He was hunched over. And when they got to him, they estimated he had been dead for about 10 hours, which would have been after this phone call was made, reporting his death. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what was going on? The first theory was that it was Langley had finally like given up and had run off and sent him this report so someone would come and take care of his brother. But then it was later revealed that a neighbor actually sent him that anonymous phone call. But there was still no sign of Langley. So they had a police officer outside of the house for weeks watching it, making sure there was no one coming and going. They didn't see anybody coming or going. And even at the funeral, they looked for Langley and Langley didn't show up at the funeral. There have been rumors and like reported sightings of Langley all over America. I think nine states in total reported seeing Langley somewhere. No one really knew what he looked like, but there's like there's a strange old man who acts crazy all over the newspapers. This is a big story because everyone loves our hoarders. During this time, they were continuing to clean out the house and search it. They removed thousands of books, a horse's jawbone, pianos, and an x-ray machine. I have questions about this horse's jawbone. Oh, there's so many questions about the stuff that was in this place. So they removed 19 tons of junk from just the ground floor. Oh, wow. For a week, the police and workers were cleaning out the house. And after they removed about 84 tons of junk, and roughly 2,000 people were outside watching them remove junk from this house. A ton is 2,000 pounds, right? Yeah. So 84 tons would be 168,000 pounds? So much junk. So on... Uh, April 8th, 1947, they found Langley's body in the house, about 10 feet away from where they found Homer. What they theorized was he had been crushed to death when he accidentally set off one of his booby traps and had died of asphyxiation because he got crushed under a bunch of rusty bed springs. They think he died before or after his brother? Before. They think so that he died. could be the smell. That was the, they determined that was the smell. They determined he died around March 9th, so several days before. Oh, his poor brother. Yeah. Like, especially if they were that close to each other, he might have been looking for him. Mm -hmm. And his brother was paralyzed. He couldn't move. And his brother died. And very tragic. But in, in total, in this house, they removed 120 tons of junk. I can't even contemplate that amount of junk. Like, I mm -hmm. hate how much stuff we have in our house. Yeah. That's like, I don't even think our house weighs that much. No. Until we get inside. Oh! <laughs> That was a burn on both so, of us. Yep. So you want to hear about some of the stuff they found in there? No. They found baby carriages, guns, chandeliers, bowling balls, old food, three body forms, pinup posters, a high chair. They were both bachelors and had no children. So. And they had all those baby carriages too. Yeah. They found organs, both instrument organs and human organs in jars. Their dad was a doctor. They're probably from his, his dad's medical practice. The top of a horse-drawn carriage, that old Model T he was working on, around 25,000 books, hundreds of yards of cloth, 14 pianos, a clavichord, and about $3,000 in cash. Okay, theory. Mm -hmm. They weren't hoarders. They were props masters. I mean, that's basically what your props closet at your school was. My props closets at my schools, my works, my house at times. That's yep. just, they, were, they weren't hoarders. They were props masters. They're trying to start their own, their own off Broadway. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Hoarders, the musical. 
So for a while, there was actually a Hubert's Dime Museum had a bunch of items of interest from the Collier brothers on display. And then, you know, there's a museum exhibit that was just the stuff in this house. But eventually the interest in it died, and in 1956, it was sold to private collectors. The location of most of the stuff is unknown at this time. The house was condemned, obviously, and it was torn down, and it is now a pocket park that you can go visit. How uh, haunted is it? Oh, so haunted. It has to be crazy haunted. Yeah. So like, many ghosts. Those two guys die there, and then you also have, like, parts of dead horses and stuff. And all of these people coming to watch this spectacle. That's got That place is haunted. So haunted. 56 people made claims on the estate. And this went on for years and years of like fighting back and forth and figuring out who actually had claims. In 1952, a judge ruled that 23 people actually had a legitimate claim. And the entire $91,000 of value in the estate was split amongst them. So that is the Collier Brothers. The weird hoarder hermits of New York City. Did you see the news story a few months ago about the hoarder woman who died in her house and they didn't recognize that her body was a body? No. I feel like it was in Detroit. Oh. And... Oh, I forgot to mention this. There was also a cat in the house. Oh, no. The cat was fine. That's all that matters. Yeah. So I, just, I wanted to make that very clear. There was a cat. The cat was fine. How much of the guy did she eat before? Uh, the body was mostly eaten by rats. Because this is New York City. That poor cat. That cat was... That cat was full of rats. This woman was, her, one of her relatives got nervous because she hadn't heard from her in a while and she hadn't been to church. And by all accounts, she, like, she was social. She wasn't a hermit. She would go to church and do stuff and then she just wouldn't invite people over. And she started to get worried. She hadn't heard from her in a while. Called the cops, but the cops, despite them saying, like, we need you to do a wellness check, we need you to do a wellness check, they wouldn't open the door. Like, well, she's not answering. We can't open the door. So finally, she went over there. Someone went over there and broke the door open. And I think she had an off-duty cop with her friend of hers. And they're walking through the house, and it is just wall-to-wall junk like this, like complete hoarder house. They walk through the kitchen, and she goes, wow, that's a creepy Halloween decoration, and keeps walking. Turns out it was her dead in her kitchen chair. Oh, God. I think she had had a twin sister who was living with her before this or something. She died a few years earlier. But yeah, they didn't recognize that the dead body was her body because of all of the junk that was in the house. They just thought it was another thing, so it was mummified. Oh, that's... Oh, did you also hear... This happened in Japan a while ago. This is kind of related. It's not a quarter thing. But they're going to award someone who... They were like the oldest person in Japan. They're going to present them this award. And they get there. And it turns out they've been dead for years and their family just been claiming their retirement checks. Oh, no! So now they do regular wellness checks for, like, the extreme elderly in Japan. I feel like we should do that everywhere. Yeah. That's a good idea. So are you ready for some questions? I am. Okay. Will... This test be on the test anywhere outside of New York City? Will this be on the test in New York City? Will the fact that even back in the 1930s, thousands of people were just coming out to see weird hoarder stuff? It's like like the hoarder TV shows of now? This isn't new. I actually kind of feel like that would be on maybe a psych class test. Both they might be and also the public reaction to it. I think the focus might actually be more on how public reacts to things well the fact that it took over three years for a, of not paying mortgages back then for someone not to get, to get their house repossessed will that be on the test how long does that take now i don't know like i remember back 20 in, minutes in 2008 it was like a week and a half <sighs> probably that'd probably be on the test we like dates and years on tests that was bananas see you were saying it was like less disheartening than mine was but that was really sad i think yours was sadder because like mine was like more human interest sadder yours was just existentially sad well there is something Draco. about how you can say that you know ten thousand people are suffering from this and how draco just stepped into his claws let's just use the flint situation you can say this huge population of people are suffering because of the water, but it doesn't elicit sympathy. But if you get one person to come tell the story, that's where the sympathy comes. Mm -hmm. So there is something to human interest sympathy and human interest feelings about things over stuff like mine, where it's all existential. What is something you learned about impeachment today? That chainsaw combat is a possible scenario in this. It's just Thunderdome out there. Oh my god, we can have a Thunderdome! Trump has broken so many deals, he's going to have to spin that wheel so many times. <laughs> I've actually never seen Thunderdome. You were talking about that, it's like, you said like around, it's like, Austin, is Mad Max the lawless hellscape? It's like, it's one of them, yes. 
It's like it's it's considered a dystopia was my question. And it's yeah. considered lawless, right? Oh yes. And because I've I've seen the most recent one. Fury Road. That was so good. That is I love that movie. I think I've seen that four or five times. I've seen it once and I'm good. Even the guy playing the guitar with the flamethrower on it. Which by the way, he was actually playing a guitar that had a flamethrower on it while he was strapped to that thing. Was it one of the guys from KISS? No. It was I can't remember. he was just like a regular guitarist they hired for this. And he was just kind of strapped in there all day and just play guitar to entertain people. I saw Kiss perform live once. It was awesome. What? I've, I've never told you that? No. So you have seen like so many bands just because of like, of just stuff. Yeah, I saw Hanson by accident before Mbop came out. No, this, I went to go see Aerosmith. It was Aerosmith, Kiss, and then their opening band. I... Hanson, obviously. <laughs> My, I keep wanting to say it was saliva, but that doesn't seem right because I'm pretty sure it was someone local. They were good. Kiss was amazing. Steven Tyler and that other guy got into an argument halfway through Aerosmith and Steven Tyler walked off the stage and the show ended. Wow. Yeah. Dude, okay. I mean, seeing Aerosmith slow with action reform would have been pretty awesome. But seeing a bunch of rock divas get into a fight and storm off the stage... So much better than seeing an actual concert. Yeah, I've tried to look this up, be like, Steven Tyler storms off stage. Have never found a single reference to it happening here. It's happened more than once, but I've never found a reference to ours. Oh, it was so much fun, though. Yeah, I've seen, I haven't been to a ton of concerts, but the ones I've seen have been very different from one another. We went to see Taylor Swift a little over a year ago. It was so good! So good! We were in the nosebleeds and we got to our seats and our seats had turned into light fixtures. Yeah, they had set up like stage lights in our seats. So we went to an usher and we're like, can you help us? And she goes, oh, you have those. And she handed us fourth row tickets. It was awesome. Taylor made eye contact with Austin. I can still remember it. When we first started dating, I was telling him how much I like Taylor Swift. And he's like, no, that's stupid. I don't want to listen to Taylor Swift. And then I started playing Taylor Swift for him. And he's like, I kind of like this. And then we ended up having a Taylor Swift themed birthday party for him. That's yeah. how much he loves her. Oh, my. I have a commissioned portrait of Taylor Swift in our hallway. It's so good. It's really good. So today was something else. Yeah. So I talked about something that's... Oh, I didn't tell you something I learned, did I? No, what did you learn? I mean, I didn't know that these guys existed. I feel like I'd heard the names of them before. <laughs> yeah, it's... I've never been into hoarding TV shows because they make me really anxious because I have some hoarding tendencies that I work very hard to suppress. But I heard their names, probably one of those weird history kind of shows. Yeah. The thing I find most upsetting about it is the horse jawbone. Why like, the fuck do they have that in there? There's a horse jawbone and the top half of a horse carriage. So do they witness like a horse carriage get like sawed in half and he just kind of like snuck back in with this stuff? Like... Like, he was walking miles to go get bread. He must have been dumpster diving along the way. Oh, yeah, he was dumpster diving, and he was just... Apparently killed a horse. That's what I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think I originally heard about them from Atlas Obscura, which, like, check that out. It's it's got some really weird stuff in it. Atlas Obscura was the one place I found when I was doing my Numathier episode that didn't believe they existed. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Every other source, including, like, actual experts on this believe they existed, but Atlas Obscura thought it was too difficult for them to have filled the Colosseum. So they were like, yeah. All right, so we actually are uh, on Facebook now. We didn't have a Facebook before. We are on Facebook. So we have always been on Twitter at on the test pod, And on Facebook, we are, of course, Will This Be On The Test? There are a couple of other Facebook pages, though, with that exact same title of various topics so our facebook page i believe it is facebook slash on the test pod i'm double checking right now i should have checked this before we put up a link in the description can't we we can but i believe it's facebook.com slash on the test pod our logo is a chalkboard now it's uh, it's red lettering says will this be on the and then white lettering it says test so, will this be on the test? That's us on the Facebook. Come join us. 
we're having fun on there. We're getting um, getting new people joining and people we've never heard of, which is really exciting. That's like strange. Hi, new people. We're getting strangers who want to hear our voices and hear us talk about crazy shit. Or maybe bots who really just want test answers for college students or something. Maybe. Oh, my God. What if, like, okay, bots, like, you can use our answers for whatever tests you want because I'm assuming you're trying to pass Turing tests. And I want to be on your side after the singularity. So keep doing that. But kids, don't use our answers for tests. Yes, bots, we, we give our information over to you. We respect your bothood. But mostly, I think you're real people. So hire new people. We're very excited to have you. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. I think that does. So with that, class dismissed. dismissed.